And we are the Extra Sisters, so sit back, relax, and let's get creepy. Welcome to episode 157, and in this episode, it's kind of weird because like this is the year of threes, but this is a two because we didn't do this last year, so welcome to a sequel. And in this episode, we are going to be discussing the second Nightmare on Elm Street, A Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge, which is like a weird title because like, who's he getting revenge on in this? We don't know because it's not on Nancy. Yeah, it's just like on everyone. He's pissed off that she won. So he's like, fuck everyone. And it's like he hangs out specifically in this house and in this town, which I do get. Like, you know, we have killers for certain towns like Jason sticks around Crystal Lake. But like, you know, and I do understand that Freddie is in this specific town because he fucked up all these kids and he was a horrible person and he burnt. Like, I do understand the premise here. But like specifically nancy beat him and we had all this stuff from the first one and now the premise of this one is this this house has been sitting i think for five years after nancy leaves and her family leaves and this new family moves in and the our protagonist in this is this kid named jesse i almost called him jason all the j (laughs) names run together his name is Jesse, and as soon as he moves in, he starts getting night terrors, and he's, like, sweating, and it's basically, we all know what's going on, except it's really fucking weird. This, I think that if you are a horror fan, you already kind of know that this did not get great reviews. Yeah, no, not at all. And I think the reason that the first one was so successful was because the kids were going in their dreams, like multiple kids were going in their dreams and they were dying and like bringing things out of their dreams. And we don't like totally abandon it. But at the same time, we like totally abandon that in this one. Yeah, this one is more Freddie is trying to possess this kid and come out, which is super weird and super gay. Like this whole film, you can... There's even a documentary on Shudder about how gay this film is and about mostly the main character, how the actor in real life was gay and it was it basically like forced him to come out and all of this stuff. It's very interesting. But overtly it is like even their head coach of their school is he they talk about how he goes to like BDSM clubs and stuff. So weird. It's like a whole homoerotic theme. Like even on the Wikipedia page, there's like homoerotic elements or themes of this film, which is cool. Like I I love underlying homoerotic themes. Actually, my junior AP comp class in high school, we had like a whole thing on Othello and like homoeroticism Mm. and Shakespeare Mm -hmm. and stuff. Loved that. But in this one... What's really weird, specifically, we're going to kind of jump around in this one. I I know maybe not all of you have seen this, but basically that that is the premise freddy's possessing this kid to kill people and like he's like turning into freddy in his dream and then going out and killing people in real life instead of dying in his dream or like trying to be killed in his dream so it's not even like about dying in your dream which is like the whole thing of like freddy's 
like power, right? Like, Mm -hmm. which he's still doing in his sleep. You know, Freddie is still possessing him while he's dreaming and then like coming forth through this kid. But it didn't really make any sense. And like, I know it doesn't make sense for him to kill in dreams either. We never get an explanation (laughs) for that. But you don't fucking need one. And the first one, it just works, right? Right. But in this one, it just does not, I feel like. But, like, talking about the scene, so the coach is always giving the kids a hard time, especially these two kids, and I don't want to, I don't know if, like, he's predatory necessarily, because I, I'm not here, like, I'm I'm queer, so throwing that out there, but, like, this was the 80s again, and we still had a very homophobic view of queer people especially gay men because of the AIDS epidemic they almost made the teacher come off as a predator definitely especially because he's so like overtly like mean-spirited masculine he's like that guy who's just a a prick and then he almost like it's almost like they gave him that air of like you know punishing the kids for fun and like watching them Mm -hmm. do all these strenuous workouts but only certain boys you know and I really homoerotic themes I am here for it but also I really don't like feeling like they're making a like homosexual character come off as a predator so not a fan that was my interpretation though not necessarily maybe how the film was wanting to go but they did need some character to that the kid didn't like in real life to kill off first because Freddie wanted to make a point basically right And that was the gym teacher. And actually what was really weird is maybe this was also on purpose. There was a scene where the kid woke up and in a trance state, went to this BDSM club, ran into his gym teacher. His gym teacher knew he wasn't supposed to be there, made him go back to the school in the middle of the night and run a bunch of laps and then take a shower. And then he killed his gym teacher there like in the school in the middle of the night I didn't even know that that actually happened and I'm I'm assuming maybe that was on purpose but I thought the whole club scene could have been a dream or was a dream Mm -hmm. agreed it was just like out of the blue where it could have been a dream or or what and so I feel like I, I couldn't tell if they wanted you to feel like that was a dream sequence or if they wanted you to know that was actually happening in real life to set up what was happening to this kid. So I don't know if that was the fault of the movie or if it was a major fault of the movie. And so that's where I was. I'm still not quite sure if that's a critique or if that was intentional or and I'm just a dumbass. You know what I mean? Right. Exactly. And so maybe that was poorly done or maybe it fucking wasn't. I have no idea. But he also has this girlfriend who actually believes that all this is happening, but also kind of thinks he's just really deep into it because this was the same house this all happened in and they found Nancy's diary. And maybe he's just really like, she even thinks like maybe psychic connected somehow like clairvoyancy or something. I do like her because she's not just like writing it off as he's just kind of crazy or overly tired or something like that. So I do like her character quite a bit. Yeah, definitely. Well, of course, because, you know, we have the male who's our lead this time. So, of course, the female may be more like, yeah, this is real. Whereas if it had been a girl with a boyfriend, maybe he would have been like, no, you're lying. You're crazy. Well, we did see that in like the first one, you know. Yeah, we had Johnny Depp's character where it actually took a while for her to really get him to understand. And he really didn't understand because he got killed. Right. Yeah. 
And I also thought that like they didn't do a great job with the character development in this one because with the first one, you are rooting for Nancy and even for her boyfriend, Johnny Depp's character. Mm -hmm. Like you don't even really get to know Johnny Depp's character that much. But you do connect with the characters much more, even the auxiliary friend characters. And in this one, the movie was a full length film. It's 87 minutes, a little bit under an hour and a half, but it was long enough. And then I still didn't really care about any of the characters. It definitely Mm -hmm. felt like one of those sequels they just threw up there because the first one did so well. Definitely. That's actually exactly what it was. They New Line Cinema was basically going under before Nightmare on Elm Street won and Nightmare on Elm Street saved it. And then they wanted to double down on it to get more money, basically. And they just kind of like, you know, shat this one out as fast as they they could. And that's why it's like very cut up and a lot of the things don't exactly go together. And some of the acting is very awkward and it's just very weird sometimes. And the scares are not effective at all. And I think no. a lot of that, and it, like super weird scares. Like there's one scene where I just super, I, I'm assuming that Freddie's fucking with the family in some way, but they have a fucking parakeet and like it just starts flying around and like yeah, spontaneously combusts. things like that. That's so fucking weird. Why yeah. was that in there? Like in the first one, there's a lot of really good scares. Like we have the iconic bathtub scene and mm-hmm. all it does is show his knife fingers coming up at her and like a lot of subtleties like that because she falls asleep and is slipping into a dream world and all of a sudden he's just there and you're getting and like the blood and like all that Mm -hmm. stuff was so effective and in this one a fucking parakeet flies around and goes crazy and a toaster sets on fire even though it's not plugged in they're just incredibly ineffective scares in my opinion and they it just didn't keep that now robert england came back he did but you didn't see him very much yes that was the worst part like you're here for freddy and you barely see him and when he is there it's mostly coming through jesse and oftentimes that's awkward like there's one time they're at a pool party and he's like getting ready to go down on his girlfriend And then, like, this huge, gnarly Freddy tongue just falls out, and then he freaks out and leaves. And it's, like, the worst tongue ever. It it was not scary. It was not gross or creepy. It was just weird. Exactly. There's, like, elements of Freddy, like, his voice telling the kid to try the glove on for size. Right. And his glove laying around. And, like you said, his tongue popping out of the kid. And, like, his body bursting through the kid's chest. But then a lot of it is the people seeing him, but you not actually seeing him or the kid Mm -hmm. looking through his eyes and things like that, but, or things just happening or people dying and you never really see, and you, you, I mean, you do, the kid has some, a few confrontations, but it's very quick and it was just like left you wanting more of what the first one brought you there for and keeps you coming back for and so this one will leave you i think especially if you're a big nightmare on elm street or a big freddy fan wanting more of freddy and leaving you like i'd imagine if you were you know back in 1985 this came out of my birthday in 1985 (laughs) back in 1985 going to the theater for freddy you would leave you would leave kind of being like huh you know like yeah absolutely I do know that the third one, so next year, 
we'll have the third one and that's dream warriors and that's one of the favorite ones of the whole series so that must be pretty good i've seen it but it's been years so i don't remember it at all I have also heard, I've heard a lot of people watch the first one and then they just skip right to the third one (laughs) because it does kind of, now granted I have not seen the third one. I'm like, y'all have probably heard me if you've been listening for the past few years, kind of talk about like, I will watch the first one in an installment, the classic, and then just kind of like not pay, like a major fan. And I want like, I love Halloween and all this stuff, but I'm not like a like a loyalist, like I don't continue. I haven't seen all of the Jason movies or all of the Freddy movies or even all the Halloween movies. And I love Michael Myers, but I love Halloween 1978, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's the same thing. Like I'm not a huge Friday the 13th fan as like that original goes. Like I like it. I do like Nightmare on Elm Street more than Friday the 13th, but I've never you know taking a deep dive into the series but I do know that people do like the third one and Mm -hmm. I've never really heard about the second one because of this like it just did not do it didn't deliver what the fans wanted and there's a lot of reasons for that yes but there are some really good things like I would definitely advise anybody who has Shudder or anything check out Scream Queen It's all about the actor who played Jesse in this and how he has basically helped queer people in the horror community because they had somebody that they were seeing on screen and how it it, how Freddie almost became their, you know, telling their parents or coming out to people that that fear that they had was almost worked through Nightmare on Elm Street 2. So they really helped a lot of people. And I think that adds a lot to this movie. I think any film, whether it be good or bad, and it's all, you know, the more that I've talked about film, it gets kind of hard to like, like at first it's easy to like shit on film. And Mm -hmm. and I know I've done that recently. Like, I don't even remember what the fucking one was called where they went to Hawaii. The resort. Yeah, that one. (laughs) I'll shit on that one all day. But it does get hard sometimes to like tear films apart because I think there's always good things about movies and that's why I'm not like furious about this like you know actors and even filmmakers and writers and directors don't go into this to make bad movies you know what I mean yeah they put their whole heart and soul and all their effort into this so it's kind of hard to be like oh my god it fucking sucked you guys tried so hard I can't really say that and sometimes it's a misstep because you tried something different. Like, so it's like, we've already done the first movie where all these kids were dying in their dreams. Let's give the fans a different angle, you know? And I could definitely see that Freddie's now possessing this kid to go do his dirty deeds for him. And to, you know, I, I could see that being a different side of Freddie, a different angle coming from, you know, killing all these people and, that's terrifying because sometimes do the kids see Jesse sometimes or do they mm-hmm. always see Freddie? That's also something that I don't think was answered, you know? Yeah, definitely. Because that's even scarier. Like if your friend is coming at you, killing you, I mean, I mean, I guess they're both scary versus them turning into this nightmare monster who's also coming at you. Right. I mean, so it's hard to like, not that we don't do it. But, like, when you see projects like this specifically, yes, we've gotten angry that, you know, sometimes it's like, oh, well, this was just here for money. Because that is the Mm -hmm. case a lot of times. But then it's like somebody still did, like, 
I'm sure it's really difficult. Well, I'm not sure. I know it's really difficult to put together a script and a screenplay, regardless of why the project was funded in the first place. Like just because a production studio said, fucking make this because we want to make money. Like mm-hmm. you still have those writers doing the job. You know what I mean? Exactly. They don't want it to be just crap that they throw out. So they, they try something and that's like mad respect to that. Yeah. But there are some films. This is one of them where it's just like you sit there and you're like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> right. Like, I'm not saying I could write a screenplay or a script, but I could write a premise better than that. You know what right. I mean? Right. Yes. Now I'm not saying I could do, and the reason I'm not like shitting all over this one is because I don't think I could do a better sequel to Nightmare on Elm Street than this one. Because I think the first one is so unique and mm-hmm. different that like to any other slasher, especially for the time where I think that would be a really difficult follow-up. Like how do you make that more creative or different? It's almost like a, the second one, other than what they came up with later, how do you make it, you know, different than the first one? Yeah, like where do we go from here? It was already so unique as far as slashers mm-hmm. went. It wasn't just like a a crazed killer, you know. Jason and Michael, and I talk about because we have our main three, right? That right. we always compare. And then we have our outlayer of Leatherface, which is a little different, but we have our main three that always get talked about and Michael and Jason are, are different in their own respects, but Freddie's just kind of on his own tier here because he's, he's supernatural too. Yes. And he talks like you don't ever hear anything from Leatherface, from Michael, from Jason. You hear things from Freddie and you hear things from Chucky. So there are our funny comedian horror guys. Right. Now, I do think that there were some signals to the team that should have been maybe like kind of green lights. Like if if somebody like and I know Steven Spielberg wasn't involved in this. I'm not saying that. But like somebody like Steven Spielberg or in this case, Wes Craven is like, hey, that's a little ridiculous. Like he specifically said um, the fucking parakeet. That's stupid. And he did say that to them because they offered for him to come back. And when he read the script, he said, there are a lot of problems here that I think are ridiculous. Maybe that's when you kind of take a step back and think, what else? Maybe maybe if Wes Craven thinks this is stupid as shit, maybe our audiences will too. Because I think a lot of writers assume that we as the audience will just kind of ingest whatever they feed us when it comes to these kind of cult classics and we'll just eat it up. But that's not the case. And we see that with this sequel. Yes, absolutely. Especially the slashers. They're terrible at that or infamous at that of just throwing whatever at us. Right. So, I mean... And maybe if they, if they thought we bring back Robert England, we put a nightmare on Elm mm-hmm. Street on it. We have a bunch of killing. But the thing was, the killings weren't even that gory either. No, you really didn't see anything. They like cut away and they're like, oh, the horror. Like that was it. Yeah. Like there was a scene where there was a pool party and some girl mentioned, oh, the water is getting really hot. And I was like, all right, we're going to boil them to death. <laughs> right. No, no, that didn't happen just a bunch of like electricity stuff started going off. You didn't see anything. Even the, the scene where the gym teacher got killed, you kind of saw some slashes going down his back, but it's kind of like they forgot that in the first one we saw like 
buckets, gallons and gallons yeah. and gallons of blood pouring to the ceiling in an inverted shot. Yes, we saw Tina bloody getting drugged across the ceiling. Like we saw so much stuff. I want that back. You know. All right, exactly. And then even our final climax scene was almost like the power of love one against Freddie as opposed to a huge face-off scene. Yeah, it was super. The I hated the ending was lame. Lame. So let's talk about that for a second. Like, basically, he has this girlfriend who it's kind of like that, you know, like a like a demon possession almost. Like, I know you're in there somewhere. Come back to me. And Jesse's fighting Freddy because Freddy has taken him over. Freddy's trying to kill his girlfriend. And his girlfriend's basically not leaving and facing down Freddy. But it's not a violent confrontation. It's really not. She's just pleading with Jesse to fight Freddy, and he does, and that's pretty much it. Yeah, and even before she gets to Freddy, Jesse, she's, like, going through this warehouse, and she keeps imagining, the like, the fucking walkway falls out from under her, and then she's fine. And it's like, or this thing falls on her, and then she's fine. So it's like she's imagining this stuff because Freddy's fucking with her, I guess, is our assumption, even though we're not in a dream. So can he do that in real life? I don't know. I don't know. But it's super lame because then you do that multiple times. You know she's going to be fine. Too much of it happens out in the real world because he has possessed someone to come out in the real world. And so we did actually lose the nightmare element of Nightmare yes. on Elm Street. Yes. Which I know in Nightmare on Elm Street, she pulled Freddy out to face him down in the real world. But she had to go into his world and do that. Exactly. And even when he was having a nightmare, like he had a nightmare about a snake being wrapped around him in in school, he woke up and there actually was like the yeah, it was class like the pet. pet. Yeah, what the fuck? And then that scene was so awkward. Like he flips off his friend over at the table, but he's got this smirk on it. It's so weird. It's so weird. I, I hated that scene. Yeah. So it just was like a lot of awkwardness, and none of it felt really cohesive. It was. Mm-hmm. It just. It just did not come together as I think what their vision was I don't think it was executed very well on screen maybe maybe it was better on paper you know the parakeet Mm -hmm. thing especially maybe that was like somebody's vision and it just like did not like somebody had a nightmare of this parakeet attacking them they're like oh my god it was so scary put it in a freddy movie right (laughs) yeah freddy did that like no, no, I don't. And I know we don't need to get into the origin of Freddy again. And we did a little bit in this, but I also think the character is trying to figure that out and go into his element a little bit more. But we didn't go into the dream. We went into his warehouse where he was from. And then they even like let that fall flat too. Mm-hmm. No yeah. flashbacks. No, not nothing triggering the main character, even though he's supposed to be possessed by Freddy. Nothing happened there. It was like a fake jump scare where there was like a rat. And I, I just, you know, there was just like nothing spicy. Yeah, absolutely. Other than you made our final girl into a boy. Right. Thank yeah. You. Yeah. Which, like, I don't necessarily have too much of an issue with that, I guess. It's just like there was nothing. Yeah, it's just nothing... like the only twist that you could think of. Yeah. There's just like nothing climactic, really, mm-hmm. about the film because. You just basically told Freddie to go away, and he did. Right. <laughs> that's, that's essentially what happened. Right. And there wasn't even really any carnage. No, and that was the crappy part. You want to at least, in a slasher, watch somebody get slashed. 
He killed the gym teacher and like one of the kid's friends. Yeah. And that's really all I can remember. I think that's it. Two people. Yep. Yeah. What a slasher. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Like <laughs> and he like attacks the girlfriend, but then she's like, You can do it, Jesse. And then he fucking does it. And then at the end, they're like in the beginning, it starts with him having a nightmare about some people in a bus. And then at the end, it has a thing about a bus and Freddie driving it into a field. And you don't know if it's real or not. And that's that's it. So, like, that's all that. And you don't know if they're actually, like, dead or whatever. So, two people that I can remember die. And that is that is it. So, yeah. It, it yeah. Yeah, he even faces up against, like, the whole pool party. Like, he is Freddy at this point, and you think he's just going to, like, massacre all these kids, and it's going to be great. But then his girlfriend comes out, and she's like, no. And he, like, loves her, so he just leaves. He just walks through them all and doesn't hurt anybody. And I'm like, what the fuck? Fine. Yeah. Just whatever. Yeah. Two out of five. And I only give it two instead of one because I feel like the actors and everybody really tried. Right. I would also give it a two out of five and I think that's because they like you said like it, it's at least you know Robert England does great but again mm-hmm. you don't see him that much and and yeah. for what it's given the queer community like giving them some sort of outlet that's awesome that's it yeah but on that like if you do like I would I would highly recommend to reading into the we could honestly do a whole episode on the homoerotic subtext of this film to Mm -hmm. be perfectly honest like the they've actually reached out to try to apologize to the actor about some of the things they did because they actually like suppressed him in the film and did some rewrites about it to try to like it it was it's actually yeah yeah definitely watch scream queen on Shutter, if you can, it's a really good documentary about this movie. Well, mostly the actor. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, for what it is, if you want to, you know, continue your Nightmare on Elm Street journey, you know, can obviously it's in it's the second one, so it's unavoidable. But the critics gave it a forty-one. But there's only 29 reviews there. And we use Rotten Tomatoes. And I know that's not, you know, the end-all be-all. But it is kind of a good, you know, idea. And with over 250,000-plus ratings, audiences gave it a 33% average. Oh, dang. Yeah. Which I feel like is about a two. So <laughs> Right. <laughs> yeah. So pretty much stands in line there. And, yeah. So... You know, it is what it is. And we'll continue on to the third one at some point and see what that's all about. I'm excited because people really seem to like that one. So I'm excited to watch it again. Well, it gives them another opportunity to do better, you know. Yeah, exactly. To have our our actual second film. Yeah. Well, thank you guys, as always, for hanging out with us. Just a quick plug here. 
If you have not checked out our second podcast, it is called Oddest is Hottest. We've got seven or eight episodes out by now. I don't remember. We post every two weeks. It's pretty much on every platform except for fucking Apple. Get your shit together. (laughs) I'm going to file a complaint. I need to do that. I've been meaning to do that, but it stresses me out. Anyways, it is called, again, Oddest is hottest and if you like our happy hour rants that's pretty much what it is so <laughs> right you can head over to any of those spotify is the big one that it's on it's also on amazon stitcher google and so you can listen to that and as far as the extra sisters goes you probably know the socials by now everything is the extra sisters podcast except for twitter which is at the extra sisters and if you would like to join our patreon fam you can go over to patreon.com slash the extra sisters podcast and we'll be back with you friday If Jason still haunts you, you are not alone. Till then, stay creepy.